Hello and welcome to episode three of the Crazy Happy Life podcast with Joey and Lauren. I'm trying to find the right way to describe what we do on today's episode. You know, I think it's interesting. We all go through hard times and I think today's episode is trying to keep your head above water and keep the happiness and positivity in your life during those trials. And we focus on some bad news that we got years ago that changed our life forever and it's episode three. Life is crazy and we get that. That's why we're here. It's the Crazy Happy Life Podcast with Joey and Lauren. All right, it is episode three of the Crazy Happy Life Podcast. I am Joey. I'm Lauren. And thank you for spending the first two episodes with us, and welcome to the third one. That's how episode three works. Uh, You can subscribe. We appreciate it. Rate and review. And, of course, you can listen to us every morning on our morning radio show, Joey and Lauren in the Morning on My 127. You can also download the on-demand podcast for that. Today's episode, all about the curveballs in life the bad news that you get, and how do you handle it? I think that everybody in life goes through some sort of big, like, didn't expect that to happen. Oh, yeah. I think every day something happens where it's like, I did not expect today to go this way. And there's just some things in life you don't have control over. So terminal illness, financial problems, job changes, whatever it is. And on today's episode, the number one question probably besides how early do we wake up for our morning show or how early do we go to bed, the question we get all the time is, we know that you guys had infertility, and we have a nine-month-old son mm-hmm. uh, that we gave birth to him. Well, Lauren did. I just kind of sat there. <laughs> Very key yeah. thing to mention. Th- I did the through work. IVF, but um, the roadblock in our life, the yeah. ultimate curveball is when a doctor looked at us a few years ago and said, you're not going to be able to have kids naturally, and we'll have to look at other options, which is fine, but something that you just expected to work out fine, yeah, and then a, there's a total curveball in it. It's a gut punch. Um, it really is. And I think this episode, we're going to get raw and, and real about our story. And, and you mentioned it earlier, but we get the question all the time. Like, what was your infertility journey like? I've had people who are fans of our show ask me to write up our story. It is it's so long it's and it's much. so detailed that, you know, this is a good way for us to share from our heart because we are an open book about all of this. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I know how the story starts and it starts with most people's life story, which is you have a dream, you have a vision of what your mm-hmm. life is going to be. And automatically, the moment we got married, we totally knew that we wanted to have a family. Yes. I don't know if we knew. Do we know how many kids we wanted? Uh, we didn't know how many. I do know, and you are missing this point, but I do know when we first got married, we were like, no kids for a while. Oh, yeah. Like, that, we knew we true. wanted to have a family, but the first few years of our marriage, we were paranoid about, because we just didn't yeah. want kids yet, right? We were like, no, we want to do this, we want to do that. We'll have a family later. Come to find out. If we would have known. When we started to try and have a family, it was a very long process. And so we got married in uh, 2000. Let me get this right. We got married in 2012. Correct. Okay. So we got married in 2012. And I remember, you're right. We were pretty young. We were young, married. And we Mm -hmm. said to ourselves, okay, let's just focus on being young, married, and fancy free and have fun. We wanted to give ourselves about three years. I do know that. We were like, let's wait three years. Is that what it was? Yeah, let's wait three years before we start trying. And then, of course, it took another five before we had him. But, um, yeah, it was about three years before we decided. So let's fast forward to then three years. We said, okay, we're ready to have a baby. Yeah. And at least my perspective was you decide you want to have a baby. Maybe it takes (laughs) a few months. (laughs) I honestly thought that. I thought maybe it takes a few months. And then all of a sudden you give me the news. I'm pregnant. Like you see in all the movies and TV shows. So how long did we try 
before we looked at each other and said, boy, I wonder if something's up. So I remember it was seven months and I don't know why that date sticks out to me, but I do remember after um, trying, like actively trying for seven months, I got to feel a little nervous. I was like, I don't know if something's wrong or if it's just not our time yet. So that's when I started to get nervous. But about one year into um, trying, I decided to see my family practitioner up in North Idaho. Well, you are missing out on the time that we started to get advice from people that knew we were trying. Oh we my started gosh. to get all of that. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing. And that happened for years throughout our whole process. But about one year is when I was like, something might be off. And so I called my doctor and said, hey, family planning appointment. She was like, oh, well, you're good. You're probably fine. You know, it's no big deal. Sometimes it takes a while. Then two years rolled along and we were getting a little more nervous and the comments kept happening. Wow, you guys have been married for a while. No kids. Or why don't you guys, do you guys not like kids? Do you not want to have kids? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? This, You know, and this is is something that we can all take and learn from. Mm -hmm. If you're going through a financial struggle, you're going through a job struggle, you're going through a family struggle, you're going through a personal struggle, whatever it is, people... Whether you like it or not, the more you share about your problems, everyone's going to come in with yeah. advice. Don't crush them or kill them or just be so upset that they're giving you advice because honestly, I think they're trying to help. They are. It's hard to realize it when you're in that. No, absolutely. I remember feeling like I wanted to burst when people would come to me and they're just like, you know, making awful comments about, oh, you guys don't have kids. Do you even want kids? Or, oh, I see you you bought a home. Well, why aren't you having children to fill that home? I mean, these are real comments that people were saying to us. Yeah. And at the moment, you're right. You just want to scream. But I see what you're saying about the advice where people are saying, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Because they're doing it out of the goodness of their own heart. But when you're in it, you just kind of feel like, leave me alone. You now, know? what? my second part of that is if you do know someone that's going through a rough time and you do want to hand advice mm-hmm. out, Just remember, you're not going through it and they are. So either A, they've thought about that advice or B, you don't even realize how tough it is. Like, you know, if if someone is looking for Mm -hmm. a job, yeah, I get it. You can say, well, go on, go on LinkedIn and, you know, you really need to just go up to a business. They all get it. Just (laughs) realize And same thing with us. Mm -hmm. When we weren't getting pregnant, I get it that it's easy for Joe Schmo to say, well, you know, this Mm -hmm. could really be the answer. And what I could have done better during the time, I could have done a better job at understanding they're just trying to help. Yeah. They're honestly, they're doing it because they love us or they yeah. care for us. It's hard. But, but yeah. also just realize that, you know, you're not going through it. Mm-hmm. So you can't put a Band-Aid on something that you're not going through. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that when they hand out Best advice. thing to do would be a good listening ear. If you, you know, sometimes it's better to not say anything at all and just listen and be there for your friends or your family. But uh, about two and a half years into our actual actively trying for a baby, that's when we started seeking answers. We were getting medical attention. We were getting all the testing, both of us on both sides. And uh, in November of 2017, that's when we actually heard from the mouth of a doctor that the option for us to have children naturally was pretty much impossible. And long story short, how that happened is Lauren got checked out. You were good. You got an A+. plus. So, okay, we started looking at me, and it was like, okay, well, let me go in. So I go have a surgery, and the surgery we thought was going to maybe solve the issue. I remember we, you know, the doctor told us, hey, you know, we may not work. 50-50. And, yep, we had a doctor's appointment, and we were told that. And I still remember the walk from the doctor's office to our car. And I don't think we said anything because I think we both went, 
okay, it's a real legit obstacle and challenge that we have. And I'm not saying that our life has been easy, but we had a very happy marriage. We both, I think, loved what we were doing. We both, I feel like life felt like it was kind of going well for us. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time, because to be totally honest, you know, I, I, I haven't dealt with a big time health issue like cancer. I haven't dealt with any major crises in my life. If crises is the right word or crisis, <laughs> I don't know what it is. And I remember the feeling of, oh, this is real. Yeah. And I don't want to say broken is the right thing, but it felt like, oh, we're not normal. Mm-hmm. We're not like everyone else. Yeah. And most people can find something that they're not like everyone else in when it comes to something like that. But I remember it was the time of I had five brothers and sisters and they all had kids and they were all able to have kids, quite frankly, pretty darn easily, which, again, I don't resent them at all. That's amazing. They've been able to do that. But I remember being like, oh, so there is a problem. Your mind goes to some dark places. Mine did, at least. I thought about, oh, well, so-and-so can get pregnant just like that. Or, you know, you've got people you see on the news that, you know, just awful, awful things, right? People that don't even want their kids. And so those things were really hard on my heart because I felt like at the moment and still we would do anything, anything at all to have a child. And, you know, we have so many options ahead of us. You know, the doctor talked to us about adoption and IVF, both amazing options that we are considering for all of our future children. And it's one of those things where it's like, you're right. It's something you don't think about until it happens to you. And the sad part is, is with infertility, And I just want to get on my soapbox just a little bit. It is not talked about enough. It is something that is so taboo. It's hush hush. Nobody wants to, you know, address that it's an issue. And I do feel that there needs to be some more awareness about it. One in eight couples suffer from infertility. One in four couples lose a child. They suffer a loss of a child. So it's it's a very sad and horrible thing that people have to go through. But nobody knows about it because nobody talks about it. But you know what's something I learned through all of it, though? The best decision we made, because it was uh, how many years from when we started trying to when we actually had a baby? Do you uh, remember? Just about five years. Okay. Almost five. So within those five years, I would say about three of the years, we tried to make, not make excuses, but we we never addressed the issue publicly with our friends or family. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have kids eventually. The moment we said... Oh, no, no, no. We have infertility. And we were so open and honest with it. Yeah. I'm not saying that everyone needs to air their dirty laundry. And I'm not saying that telling everyone everything about what's wrong in your life is a good idea. But it was amazing. The moment when someone would say, man, why don't you guys have kids yet? Or gosh, don't you guys want to have kids? Or you want to just go on vacations for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. I remember finally we said, oh, no, we actually struggle with infertility. Yeah. It's my, and I used to say, it's my problem. I'm the one not. that's infertile. And, and I'm going to interrupt you. I hate that because it's our problem. This is us yeah. as a couple. This is our family. And I, I know what you're saying, but it's us. Like it doesn't affect just you. Sure. Do you know what sure. I'm saying? And so I, I appreciate that though. And I, I, I think you're right. We suffered in silence for so long. And the minute we were like, you know what? And we, I still remember I did a Facebook post because I was so sick of people asking us over and over. In fact, I do remember I was at like this girls night thing, right? And one of the uh, moms, I obviously wasn't a mom at the time, but one of the ladies at this girls night, she was like a kind of a side amateur photographer. 
she was talking about giving away a free photography session to a family. And so I was like, oh, I showed some interest in that. And one of the girls looked at me and she goes, why would you want that? You, you don't have a family. And Oof. that struck me so deep in my heart because at the time I'm like, well, Joey and I were a family and that was really hard, especially all that I'd been going through and we'd been going through internally and hadn't shared that with anyone. That comment will stick with me forever because it hurts so bad. And, uh, but you're right. I did. I posted a Facebook post after your surgery and I was like, boom, it's out there. <laughs> we're suffering. Shut up. <laughs> and wouldn't that be good to see more of that in social media? And again, there's a difference between the, I remember as a kid in art class when like someone would come up and be like, oh, my painting stinks. And they'd just be waiting for everyone to be like, no, your painting's great. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. to have a pity party. Yeah. But why is it such a problem to be like, hey, guess what? We struggle with infertility. We can't have kids naturally for whatever reason. Why is it? I was born this way. Like the Gaga song. I was born (laughs) this way. Like I was born with a different set of somethings in something. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> you have normal somethings. I, I've just, got normal somethings. The functionality is, it is impossible. I yes. was born physically with something that prevents us from having kids naturally. Mm-hmm. Why should I be ashamed to share that? Because I had nothing to do with it. If I was some drunk driver and, you know, I got a DUI or something, well, that's something I could have prevented, right? Mm-hmm. Or something. That, mm-hmm. There's nothing. I couldn't have done anything. Like when I was born, it's not like I stayed in the hot tub too long. And I, and I was worried about that. I remember yeah. I was like, I looked at the doctor and I was like, was there something I did wrong? When I was a teenager, did no. I do too? And no. And his answer was no. Yeah. And honestly, if we look at our problems, things like terminal cancer and things like other, other issues that happen that we don't have control over. Addictions. I mean, those you have control yeah. over, but think of the way your mind is taken yeah. over in some different situations. So when we have obstacles in our life or something that we have, you know, if you get fired from your job, and your boss says it's literally cuts. There's nothing you could have done. You can either sit there and, and question yourself or you can say, you know what? There's nothing I can do. So yeah. let me own it. And I think life would be a lot better if we all just owned our issues and we were honest with them. We weren't actually asking for pity, but just owning it. Because guess mm-hmm. what? You're going to find friend and family and acquaintances and coworkers. They're going to say, okay, now I know what you're going through. Let me empathize or sympathize with you. Yeah, what you're going to do is you're going to help other people. And through our story, guess what? The minute I became public with our issues, it was we easier. Started, well, that and we started inspiring and touching other people. How many messages I got from people saying, oh, my word, I'm going through the same thing. Thank you for saying something. And that honestly touched me the most because I realized, man, I'm helping other people through my problem, which I did not expect to do at all. Yeah, and so... We got the news from the doctor. He goes, you're not going to be able to have kids naturally. There's IVF. There's adoption. We walk to the car. We're silent. I can't remember when we got in the car. We probably went out to eat because that's probably my, <laughs> I'm a stress eater and I'm a cried. emotional eater. I remember crying for a little bit in the car before we put the key in the ignition and we just cried. And, and I think, you know, we held hands and we just realized that we were just given at least I can't speak for you, but I imagine you felt the same way. Just some devastating news. For me, it was quite earth shattering because I didn't, I never had thought that that could be us, right? All the years of trying with negative pregnancy tests over and over, I just felt like, oh, maybe it's just whatever. It's this, this, just like you said earlier, making excuses. And now there was a legitimate problem. So two feelings. One was devastation because it was bad news. But two, you felt like, okay, I finally know. 
I yes. know now that there's a problem, and now we can we can pick an option and we can move forward. And it's so interesting because you're right; it was terrible news, mm-hmm. but it was clear news and gave us clarity. Well, because how much worse would it be if he's like, "Yeah, I, Man, just don't, I don't know I don't what's know. going on. I don't know." Because then you're still wondering, well, what the heck is it? And so for the doctor to say, "Here's the problem," the exact issue, and that's that's what's so amazing is whatever you're going through in life, if you can identify what the problem is, then at least you know how to solve it or fix it or at least work towards it. Yeah. So then we said, okay, adoption, IVF, could we do both? Could we? Are we going to choose one or the other? We decided to go with IVF. And what's amazing with when you get brought down a level with bad news, just like we were given, we go meet with the doctor, the IVF doctor. And just as much as I remember the doctor telling us we wouldn't be able to have kids naturally, we go inside uh, to the doctor's office with IVF. Which, and this was like six months later. Yeah, because I, I think we took some we time. Waited. to like, yeah. It was probably me eating for the entire six months <laughs> is what really happened. But, but we, did. we scheduled a consultation. So we sit in the lobby and I still remember. And then we go to the doctor's office. And just as I can remember the doctor saying, you can't have kids naturally. I remember the doctor looking at us and saying, I think we can get you guys pregnant. And that news was the glimmer of hope. And it was just months after the worst news of our life. So if you can take anything away from our story and any story that you hear about roadblocks and things that don't go well, good news sometimes is very, very, very close and nearby after the bad news. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I remember we felt very differently about our issue. And we felt very differently because there was somebody that looked at us and said, no, 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 there is hope. Yeah. Yeah. And we had seen gosh, countless, I don't even know how many doctors before that, right before we got the bad news, how many doctors we'd been seeing. But I, I also distinctively remember that appointment. And it was like the first time, it was like the heavens opened up. It was the first time we had any ounce of hope shi- like shining down yeah, on because us. Through all this, right? There was failed surgeries. There was failed procedures. Mm-hmm. So we had gotten like, oh, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor just so simply was like, I think this can work. Mm-hmm. And that blew our minds. Yeah. So the next process was getting all the appointments set up. And I call it the three months from HE double hockey sticks for you. Because <laughs> I think it was a lot tougher for you than it was for me. Yeah, it, it really was. I don't even know where to begin other than, you know, we started, I remember it was on Halloween. Um, so after we had the first consultation, we actually waited almost a year. So it was <laughs> January. What was with us? We were eating. I <laughs> we think eating we were just stress eating. I think but that's where was, our uh, golden corral saw us every other Tuesday. <laughs> Listen, IVF, and I don't think anyone is surprised to hear this, it's extremely expensive. So there's a lot of saving to be done. There's a lot of planning to be made and stuff like that. So January of, I think, 2018 was when we had that consultation and the doctor gave us a little bit of hope about IVF. And then uh, that same year in October, so later in the year, is when we actually officially took the plunge and started all the treatments. And it was on Halloween. I remember that night because oh, you gosh. were uh, drawing up my injections to give me my first shots as I'm, are coming to the door. as I'm handing out candy to kiddos at the door. So Because <laughs> basically they send you all these needles and you had to do three shots a day. Yeah. Three shots like a that. day for... Mm-hmm. Two months. Uh, no, it was 14 days okay. for those first injections was 14 days. And those were the initial injections to basically pump up my uh, ovaries to get them filled with a lot of eggs. I still don't <laughs> even know. Like, I don't even know how it works. It's Basically, it was a painful process for me because um, it bloats me like 
like no other because what's happening is I'm I'm getting my my eggs are basically um, increasing or yeah. whatever with follicles or whatever, um, but they're not uh, dropping or releasing, so I'm getting bloated. Okay. With eggs. With eggs, essentially. And Lauren looked like, a, it's like imagine a carton of <laughs> eggs just sitting in So here. that's the first half. It's the IVF part, like and the pre-part. You don't go to the doctor every day and a nurse gives you the shots. I do. No. They yeah. give you, they give the shots to either yourself, to do yourself, and you elected mm-hmm. to have me do it. Bad idea. I, yeah, no, I still stand by my idea because the first initial injections were in your belly and I just like... Looking down at the needle, I'm like, I can't, I can't poke myself with this. So it's Halloween and I'm drawing up needles as Lauren brought up and we have trick-or-treaters. Lauren opens the door, they look in the kitchen, they see some dude in the back drawing up a needle. What do you think? (laughs) Probably not the best. And the parents are like, don't take this candy, kids. Let's go to the next house. Let's go to the next house. We kept it separate and safe. But yeah, yeah, what is going on in this house? Quite the sight. But yeah, we did that for about two weeks. Um, I cried every single time you gave me my shots because I was terrible at it. (laughs) Also, it was very painful. The ones in the belly were very painful. Um... And then from that point, after that was when we had the egg retrieval. And I don't expect everyone to understand all the processes of IVF. It's a very intricate, very... By the way, what does IVF stand uh, for? In vitro fertilization. So basically, they create a little embryo, and then they eventually take that embryo from Petri dish and give it right to you. Yeah, they take Joey's ingredients and my ingredients and mix them together and make a baby. It's basically That's what like happens. the Food Network. Our baby was made in a lab, Yeah, right? But he's still our baby. So it's, it's a lot. There's so much that goes into it. But with the egg retrieval, that was a surgery that I was put out for. Um, and then that's when they basically take my eggs and then there's like a six day window where they fertilize with your ingredients. (laughs) And then that determines if we have viable embryos to use. And so we got embryos, which are basically five day old children. Is that the best way to, Um, I mean, I don't know. Embryos are babies. Yeah. I guess. I mean, so they they freeze them. mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like a break room freezer next to someone's lean cuisine, but it's a, (laughs) it's a deep freezer. So Lauren has the egg retrieval. We find out we have embryos. It goes well. Um, I'm trying to remember how long the process is from when you find out you have embryos to transferring them. So we found out, we did the egg retrieval in November of 2018. And about five to six days after that, we got the call telling us how many embryos we had. And then we actually didn't have the transfer till January. So it was a few months because my body needed to recover from the surgery, from basically the trauma of all the meds and everything. I mean, you would not believe the amount of medications, thousands of dollars worth of medications just to get these eggs. And uh, January was the transfer. January 4th, 2019. Gosh, you have such a good memory. I don't remember any of it. I had to endure everything. So it's burned in my memory. Here's what's (laughs) funny about our story. Is at least with our infertility problem, which I'm not saying it's not both of ours, but I'm the one that's infertile, but we're both deal with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. But the first half of this process was all me. I'm the one getting the surgeries. I'm the one getting poked, poked and prodded. And prodded yep. And then the moment we decided we wanted to try in vitro fertilization, everything goes to Lauren. And now it's like, all right, Lauren, you got to have surgery. You got to have this. Yeah. Which is interesting because quite frankly, your parts check out they get the green light Mm -hmm. and so that's what taught me so much about your love for me as a husband and wife is you went through everything when technically your body was ready to go from the Mm get-go ready to go from the start that's true love yeah and that's something i will never forget and i won't forget if we want to have multiple babies lauren has to go and do the whole process again Mm -hmm. despite her parts working fine yeah and i will say um Maybe this is a what not to say to someone with infertility 101. We get this a lot where people will be like, oh, 
you have a baby now, so you must be fixed. It's all fine. No, no we have to do this every for time, every baby, right? With our specific issue. So the transfer was in January of 2019, and that is like the biggest day because that's essentially the day of implantation where we conceive at the doctor's office. So the doctor basically we're, you know, sitting there and do you want to explain this side? Yeah, I was an emotional mess while it was happening. Yeah. So Lauren is laying on a hospital bed basically. And uh, they have a doctor in there, our doctor that we worked with the whole time. And he's got a tube. I'm going to try to not make this super, super detailed, but basically they transfer this little embryo and it is so tiny that when they transfer it, they actually have to have a flashlight so you can watch on the screen. So you're actually sitting there and you're watching it happen on the screen. And so you're sitting there. I'm holding Lauren's hand. We're watching this moment. They say our last name, Jenkins. They actually have to announce it. So you make sure you have the right embryo and they tell you, they go step by step. And it's the most beautiful thing I think I've ever witnessed in my life. Gosh, you're crying and now I'm crying. <laughs> but you see, you see this little white light. It's this little tiny bead of light. It's like a scope. It's like a scope. <laughs> and you watch it move and go right to Lauren. Mm-hmm. And that's our baby. And it is, I cannot believe that we're able to, I can't believe they don't have to put Lauren out. You're awake. We're watching it. We went Nate afterwards. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> but that was a moment for us. And we didn't know if it was going to work. So when they transfer the embryo, you're not guaranteed to be pregnant. Mm-mm. You just have a chance to be pregnant. And I think it's a, is it 60% chance? Oh, I think it's 40 or 30. 40, 40 Sorry. or 30. One um, no, you're all right. Yeah, the hope and the prayer after all that is that um, the embryo sticks to my uterus. And I know this is all very TMI technical speaking, but um, it's uh, that was the hope. And my nerves just skyrocketed for a while after that because we had to wait, I think, 14 days to yep. where before we could find out. And it was so scary because I, me being like, the house for this embryo and just praying it stays. And you don't lay I'm down. Just, they don't have you lay down right. for like two days or something. No, I mean, they, they encourage you to rest, um, which I did. Um, but I'm so nervous. I'm like, don't let the dogs jump on me. Don't do, I don't want to bump into anything because I'm so nervous that something's going to happen. And I was convinced. I was a thousand percent convinced that it wasn't going to work. And that's so sad. Yeah. I just no, was I think, so nervous. Well, we dealt with five years of bad news. Yeah. So we had five years where I went for a surgery, didn't fix the problem. I did this procedure, didn't fix the problem. I took this medication. You took this medication, yeah. didn't solve the problem. So we were, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I could tell you rainbows and butterflies and that we were very optimistic. Mm-hmm. But I remember during that two weeks, we'd be driving in the car and I'd look at you and be like, I just don't, I just don't think we're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't have any premonition. I just, I went with my gut and I don't know if I was keeping my guard up yeah. that I thought, oh, well, we're not pregnant. Yeah. And I, I said moments ago that it was 14 day wait. I apologize. It was actually a month because the transfer was January 4th and we didn't find out we were pregnant until February. I remember it was the day before the Super Bowl. It was like February 4th or something like that. Yeah. It was right around the Super Bowl when we found out that we, that it actually worked. Um, and that day, um, that day I will never forget. Um, I was, again, I was so convinced. I was so nervous and I had to go on a few times to get blood tests, you know, to, to check my levels and everything. Um, because the baby is just so small, they would never be able to tell on an ultrasound. And, um, 
the, I saw my phone light up. I knew we were going to get a call that day. And it said that it was the infertility clinic and my stomach just dropped. I was so nervous and I couldn't answer it. And so I said, Joey, Joey, you need to answer it. And, um, well, actually it was on speakerphone. So we both yeah. answered it together. But you didn't talk. No, it I was the nurse. I said, hello. Yeah. And it was and our nurse. she said, um, I just want to let you know that you are very pregnant. And I fell, like I literally fell to my knees and I couldn't breathe and I just sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed and I didn't think it was real. And I don't even know what happened. I blacked out after that, but you talked to her after that. And uh, then I made you go to the store and get me actual pregnancy tests so I could feel like a normal person and actually pee on a stick. (laughs) You know, I've never seen... I've heard these stories about people that they fall to their knees or, you know, I've seen videos on the internet of people with their knees buckle when it's either great news or bad news or whatever. Um, I've never seen that or experienced that, but I'll never forget the moment that she said we were pregnant because you fell to the ground Mm -hmm. and sobbed. Mm -hmm. And yep, I went to the store. I got, I think, five pregnancy tests. <laughs> Wonder what the store clerk thought of I that. Know. Some dude coming through. Especially because I looked very tests. frantic because I was trying to hurry. He's <laughs> yeah. probably like, "Dude, man, you got to be careful, buddy." Because I'm in the, I'm in the checkout, you know, and I'm getting all these. And the first one, pregnant. Second one, pregnant. Third one, pregnant. Fourth and one, you know pregnant. what? It was such an amazing experience, but there was still, and this is just the naivety in me, or or the negativity in me. I don't know what. Even though I had all this proof. Right. And then we, we eventually went in for ultrasounds and all that stuff. Um, I was still, until he was born and placed on my chest, I still had doubts. And I don't know why. I was just so nervous. Well, I think anytime someone goes through something that's big and traumatic or just different, where whether it's career, professional, personal, family, health, I think most people, if you have gone through some really tough times, you do keep your guard up. And I I don't think that that's something to be, you know, I think there's a difference between being positive and also being positive and being guarded. And I think we, I always love and thought of the idea of us having children, but I also, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, let's wait and see. So Lauren's pregnant, pregnancy's going well. We had three more months where you still had to get shots, even though you were naturally pregnant at that point. So what's interesting about IVF and and our process is it doesn't end when you get a confirmed pregnancy. In fact, you have to continue the hormone injections through the entire first trimester, which is three months to ensure that you stay pregnant. I know it sounds crazy, but there's just so many things that go into IVF because your body is not used to a foreign basically pregnancy happening without it doing it on its own, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah there, there's more process to it. For and sure. Lauren was a rock star during the whole pregnancy. So we host a morning radio show. As some of you do know, uh, some of you will get to know as you probably fall in love with this podcast naturally. And then you want to listen to a radio <laughs> show naturally. But um, you did not miss a single day of work in nine months of pregnancy. And by the way, uh, the, the way that the shots worked is we had to do them it was like a certain amount of time before 9 a.m. or something, or it was like before yeah, 11 a.m. but we're on the air during yeah. that time. So you would give me my shots every morning at like 4 a.m. before the show. Which just adds to it. So Lauren wakes up at 4, gets a shot by me, not a trained nurse, by the way. Bruises on bruises. Yep, goes, does a radio show dealing with morning sickness, vomiting, all that stuff, nausea, nausea. never missed a day of work until... We went to the hospital to have the baby. I actually was at the office the morning that I gave birth. (laughs) 
just such a weird thing. You workaholic. Is that, that's what that is. No, it, I mean, I actually knew we were going to have a baby that day or I was going in to be induced, uh, but we had to swing by the office on the way to the hospital to do a couple in things. In fact, I dropped, so I dropped you off at the hospital because I had to get a couple things done for the radio show. Uh-huh. And so I went back into the studio and I remember a coworker goes, wait a second, Lauren's... In the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was all the prep work. Yeah, and that's what I said. I said, she's filling out paperwork to have the baby. And he was still like, dude, you dropped your wife off at the hospital like you're dropping yeah. a kid off at a babysitter. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, yeah, that's kind of how it went. So we have the baby. I don't know. Do we want to go into the full-on have the baby mode? I mean, I'm that's fine. fine that. The birth was amazing, incredible. For you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You you felt obviously everything. Yeah, I, did I mean, not. I, I was induced um, I, at thirty nine weeks and six days, so four days shy of, of our due date. And um, it was what I think I was induced at like seven thirty in the morning. That's when we got there, and then well, that's when he I dropped you born. off. He, he was born at nine oh three the same day, which I think is rather fast for your first child. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, and the entire experience at the hospital we gave birth at was. Honestly, incredible. Like, I mean, the birth itself, um, I did have an epidural and I know people have thoughts on that, but I did have a medicated birth and I actually felt way more than I thought I was going to feel. Yeah, Lauren was like, wait a second, I thought this was the pass-go option. (laughs) Um, And then I did have an episiotomy and that's the whole thing. And you guys can look that up if you want. I wouldn't Google it and search (laughs) that, but it was a a little bit of trauma at uh, childbirth. But he came safely and we had a beautiful little boy and he is our entire world. And he is nine months old now. And I will tell you something that I will remember um, from your birth. Gosh, I sound so weird when I start to cry. No, I you go, don't. I go like a weird, like, from your birth. <laughs> so um, for whatever reason, when our baby was born, it was a super busy day at the hospital. And so, you know, Lauren delivers the baby. They do all the necessary stuff they had to. And the then the whole crew, the nurses and the doctors, all basically look at us and say, we have a bunch more deliveries tonight. We got to go. So normally they give you like 45 minutes of just time with the baby. Mm-hmm. We got three hours. Now, the nurse would come in. I came in a couple times and did some vitals. It wasn't. But to have three hours where we have this brand new baby, didn't even have a diaper on. And we got to hang out with our son for three straight, beautiful, uninterrupted hours. It made the surgeries, the procedures, the medication, the IVF, the embryo transfer, the shots, it made all of it worth it. And I remember looking at him and saying, oh, I get it now. I get it. Because there's times when we were going through all that that – I was just like, man, this is a lot of work, right? This is a lot of effort, a lot of money too. IVF, by the way, is like $25,000, okay? That's very, just to get a positive Yeah, and it's it's test. not, yeah. So you pay twenty grand just to become pregnant. And then, of course, children are so expensive. But I remember as I'm holding him and you're holding him and we just had those three hours of uninterrupted time, I said, I get it now. I come from a family of six kids. And I looked at my parents and I think I called my parents a couple of days later. And I'm like, oh, I understand why you wanted to have six of these. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're going to have six kids. <laughs> and it's so cliche. But there is rainbows after rain for a reason. Mm-hmm. That when you go through something that is extremely tough, something you never planned for, 
and then you see the rainbow at the end of it, it makes it totally worth it. Yeah, it really does. And so a little gift at the end of this podcast, our baby boy, our little nine-month-old is sitting on mama's lap right now. (laughs) Do you want to say hi? We just talked about you on the latest podcast. (laughs) Do you want to say hi? I think he's mad at me. (laughs) I think he just woke up from a nap and he's like, hey. Hi. (laughs) Oh, there we go. There's a little something. You grabbing the microphone, buddy? (laughs) He's grabbing onto it. He's so intrigued. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So... Uh, whatever you're going through. I mean, we lived through something that we saw a total curveball. We never saw it coming. It changed our life, but aren't you so grateful for it? So grateful. And I know that sounds weird. Like, oh man, I wish we, you know, but I am so appreciative of it because I learned. Mm-hmm. I I think we grew. We grew as a couple, you know? Yeah, and I, I think if I could leave this podcast with any type of advice and not, not obviously specifically uh, infertility, but anything that you are going through is... Use this time and this opportunity, if you can, to connect with loved ones around you and build those relationships closer so that you have support. Because I think with our specific situation, it could either put a wedge between us or bring us together. And I'm so grateful that we were able to be together through all of it. Yeah. And what can you learn from the trial? Mm -hmm. When you're going through something, what can you learn from it? What can you learn? And lean on your friends and family to, to, for support your support system. Awesome stuff. Make sure to uh, subscribe, rate and review on Apple podcasts and keep subscribed to us where you can follow along with each and every new episode. And again, we're on the air every morning. We host a morning show Joey and Lauren in the morning. You can subscribe to that podcast as well. And uh, we're on every morning on My 1027. That's episode three. I, I didn't cry too much. You didn't cry too much. In the books.